1: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game-Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you are absolutely, positively, indefatigably in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is today. Well, I found some research by an energy company called Scott Madden. That's two names all put together in one. The title of the article is Scott Madden Reviews the Smart City Opportunity for Utilities. It's just from a couple weeks ago, May twenty fifth, 2017, on 4-traders.com. Here's the quote. This will set us up very nicely for our topic today. Quote, we believe that energy utilities have an important role to play in smart city initiatives. And interestingly, they put the term smart city in quotes inside of their quotes. So there, I'm not sure what they what they are or are not thinking about smarty. So what are we talking about? Well, when we think about smart city digital transformations, we often hear things about utilities-based municipal environmental services. What am I talking about? Think about electric mobility. There's that electric word in there. Yes, smart grids. Think about power grids. And even think about smart bins. You know, a lot of cities around the world are having garbage cans that have sensors in them that tell the trash company when to come and pick up the garbage when it's full, rather than every single Tuesday and Thursday and Friday when there might not be any garbage out. So it sounds great. The potential is huge. But to put it into practice, we have found, our experts have told us, that there are five pillars that cities must embrace. I'll tell them to you briefly, and then I'll introduce our guests. So first of all, you have to embrace omni-channel citizen experience. That means wherever they are, they could get through and be part of the city. Number two, they have to harness assets and the Internet of Things. That's where the sensors come from. Number three, they have to engage workforces better and smarter workforces. That means citizens keeping up with technology and new job opportunities. Number four, they need to accelerate growth innovation. And number five, Replatform their core business processes. If this is all gobbledygook and a question mark to you, my guests will help us figure it out. So, is this all coming to a smart city near you? And how smart is your current city? We're going to find out with our three experts on the panel. Let me introduce them briefly before they speak. Let me just tell you who they are, and then we'll start with their opening quotes. First up, in a moment, we'll be speaking with Mike Eberhardt, Global Industry Principal for Public Sector at SAP Hybris, Hybris Software. Joining Mike on the panel will be Jörg Furchow, Utilities Expert in the Energy and Natural Resources Sector at SAP. And rounding out the panel is a newcomer. She is Barbara, I'm going to pronounce her name and hope I do it right, Fluge, F-L-E-U-E-G-G-E. She'll tell me when she comes on, who leads the Smart Cities and Regions Initiatives at SAP. So I hear a lot of noise in the background. I think somebody is moving furniture, so we'll see if we can get them to stop moving their furniture Let's go to Mike Eberhardt. Mike was on with us on part one of this topic, as was Jörg, so welcome back to the two of you. Mike has sent me a quote from Sun Zhu, S-U-N-T-Z-U, pronounce it any way you wish, who was a Chinese general, a military strategist, and a philosopher who lived in the spring and autumn period of ancient China. He's best known by this honorific Sun Zhu, which means master Sun, and he's traditionally credited as the author of the Art of War. Here's the quote Mike has selected: "Quote, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat." Mike Eberhardt, thrilled to have you back on. Have you been, Mike?
2: Excellent, excellent. Um, back in Switzerland after a long uh, journey through America, and now at in lovely Switzerland.
0: Wonderful. I'm glad you're there, and I'm glad it's lovely. Tell me something. We're we're talking about municipal utilities. We're talking about citizen engagement. We're talking about what's happening in city transformations for smart cities. And you're sending me a quote from an ancient Chinese philosopher talking about strategy and tactics. So why don't you tell me how this fits our topic today, Mike?
2: Um, yeah. Actually, um, everything in, in life has to be um, with a, a strategy. Um and, uh, and the same with uh, governmental institutions. And if they come just up with uh, tactic moves, they will fail. If they come up with a strategy how to serve the, the people, the population, the citizen better, this will actually create a new way how to uh, offer services for everybody individual, a service for uh, an individual, person, personalized and uh, in a way that I feel comfortable as a citizen, as a taxpayer.
0: Thank you. You got that word taxpayer in there, that ugly word. What can I say? Somebody's got to pay for it, right? <laughs> right, Mike? Mike, yep. thank you so much. I, we have had other quotes from Sun Tzu. How do you pronounce his name, by the way? Do you say Sun Tzu or Sun Jiu? How do you pronounce it? Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. Okay. Yep. I said... I sit corrected. Very interesting. You tied it in very nicely. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Barbara is up. Barbara, please tell me how to pronounce your last name so I get it right. And welcome. How are you?
3: Yes, thank you very much. Um, welcome to you as well and to the listeners. Uh, well, Barbara
0: Pfluege. I I think I had it almost right. And Barbara has yeah, sent us great. a... Thank, thank you. Barbara has sent us a quote from Ken Wilber, who wrote A Brief History of Everything in 2007, if you're not familiar with him. And I wasn't, Barbara. I had to look him up. Kenneth Earle... Ken Wilber, born in January 1949, American writer on transpersonal psychology, and he developed his own integral theory, a four-quadrant grid that suggests the synthesis of all human knowledge and experience. This is way above my pay grade. But he's a fascinating man, and you can look him up and find out more. Here is the quote she has selected, and this is a wonderful quote, almost poetic. Ken Wilber says, You take a watch apart and analyze its parts, but they won't tell you the time of day. Barbara, lovely quote. Tell me how it relates to our topic.
3: Well, when you look into um, uh, utilities and uh, the advancements of technology and take a greater look into cities, but also regions, villages, it's really about um, how to bring all the distinct stakeholders, the individual interests together, right? And not having an isolated view. And uh, just let's say a benefit just to one person, or to one business, or to one authority. And this is uh, what I really like uh, behind this quote um, uh, about the collaboration, so the logical glue behind the parts, and not just having an isolated viewpoint.
0: Very, very interesting. Yes, and and we talk often, Barbara. I don't know if you know. I know you're new to to Game Changers Radio, but we have another show called. Smart, Game-Changing Cities of the Future. And we talk about this digital engagement and the collaboration. And interestingly enough, Barbara, next Tuesday, the 13th of June, I'm doing a show on public safety in smart cities. And we're talking about exactly what you mentioned about the engagement, the collaboration, the coordination. It's not enough to have all of these great sensors and devices monitoring crime on one street and citizen traffic on another. If you don't coordinate them and put them together, you've got I data and you can't really figure out where crime is going to be or or predict it. What do you think of that? Are we on target with that? Yes, absolutely. That's really the way um, to look at it. Yeah. Thank you, Barbara. Pleasure to have you on. Now we're gonna circle back around to the middle of the table here. Jurg. Rumor has it you're running yes, very back. much. I'm back Oh, thank goodness. Welcome back, Jurg. How have you been?
4: <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. Back in my small village here, <laughs> like last uh, time, uh, and actually you you told me a lot about Lily Tomlin. I, I wasn't aware of her, sorry for that, but I liked her quote because that perfectly fits to my philosophy as well, yeah. So, roadway, uh, roadway to success is always under construction. I think uh, success is hard work and you need to start somewhere, yeah. Looking for a goal in terms of smart cities, for example, yes, smart cities have to um, have to start somewhere to become smart, and there will be successes uh, on the way to, yeah, on the way to the goal. But it, um, there will always be uh, construction work to do to reach these goals. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. I, I like that. Did you have a chance to hear, Jörg, were you on when I read my opening quote from Scott yes, Madden reviews? I, yeah. Yes, do Do you yes, agree yes. with that? Do you agree with Scott Madden that energy utilities will have an important role to play in the smart city initiatives? What do you think?
4: Of, of course, of course, because um, yeah, garbage collection and, uh, and electricity, decentralized electricity this is very important to make a city run yeah and therefore it is um, well say the backbone of a city yeah or part of the backbone of the city and therefore it's important
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So, Mike Eberhardt, we're going to circle back around the table to you. And this is where we get a little up close and personal. I think we already know where Jurg is, so I'm going to ask you. Mike, I think you told me a little distracted here with the phone lines, but Mike, where are you calling from? Uh, We don't need the street number of the house or the office or what floor you're on or what window number, but we want to know in general where are you, what time of day is it, what's the weather there, and what are you drinking? This is the part of the show called What's in Your Cup Today. So, Mike, (laughs) what are you drinking that makes you really... Really, really happy, and if you're drinking something, ugh, or just boring, tell me what you'd rather be drinking. Mike Everhart, go ahead.
2: Yeah, it's um, um, what can I say? Um, it's not very healthy. It's a uh, Red Bull. It's an energy drink. <laughs> it <keeps me> sharp. <laughs> and it helps me actually uh, to 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 uh, fight against the chat, like what I have from the States.
0: Right. Um, Now Tell I me something.
2: Yeah, go ahead. In Switzerland, uh, next to Zurich, uh, in a lovely, uh, uh, just uh, outside of Zurich, and uh, it is 8 o'clock. It is approximately 22, 24 degrees. It is still lovely, blue sky, uh, fantastic right now.
0: Okay, and I have to ask you something. I, I'm not familiar with Red Bull. I've seen it on the shelves in my local, uh, you know, the Quick quick Shop store, the uh, 24-hour marketing uh, supermarket around the corner from me. But does it have different flavors? And if it does, what do you like the best?
2: Um, actually, I'm just drinking one flavor, the original one, um, because I grew up with Red Bull. When they started uh, to sell uh, Red Bull in Austria, it was actually forbidden in Switzerland uh, because of the – um, the the uh, incense or the uh, the add-ons, it was just not legal. And uh, during this time, we smuggled Red Bull into Switzerland, and we uh, sold it to friends.
0: Wow! Now, see, I'm glad I asked you the question because, my goodness, I didn't have any idea that was true. Very, very interesting. Thank you. Mike, it'll just be our secret in case you were involved in that. We were, Just between you and me, nobody else will know, okay? All right, nobody yep. else will know. Jürgen, and Barbara are sworn to secrecy, so it will be fine. Shh. Okay, jurgen you you're up next. Jürgen, you already told us you're in Germany, and we'd love to know what time is it where you are, and what are you drinking right now, or what are you planning to drink after the show?
4: Okay, just wanted to give a recommendation to... Uh, to Mike, you should uh, combine it with uh, vodka, even, then it tastes much better. And, uh, yeah, it's even the, uh, yeah, you, you stay awake more longer, even. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we want him so to you know, stay awake believe,
4: at least
2: for the show. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. So, believe me. So we believe in me. The same zone. So
4: here it's also short past uh, 8 p.m., 20 past 8, and I'm still living in my little wine village, yeah, and looking outside, it's sunny, it's, uh, yeah, it's very warm here, and I can see the vineyards, and I'm of course drinking wine. Last time, I had a Chardonnay, yeah, and this time, I have, uh, I'm drinking Auxerrois, It's it's a grape coming from France, and it's very popular also in that region, it's kind of similar to Chardonnay, so it's it's strong, it's very tasty, and yeah, after such a working day, it's uh, nice to have this and to relax and talking to you. <laughs>
0: very nice. Is that a pignon noir or how do you put out, how do you describe that wine? O-
4: Oxera is with an A, so it's um, a French grape oro's not I, I didn't know it even because I'm not coming from that region here, but um, it's very tasty and it's similar to. Chardonnay,
0: I, I would say. Okay, I'm a big Chardonnay drinker. Well, not a big drinker, but a fan of Chardonnay. Oh, here we are. <laughs> Oxa Wine Portfolio, AXA, decanter.com, world's best vineyards, Oxa. Okay, uh, discovering the wine properties of Oxa Millisime. Uh, yes, as this is France, wine is served as well. C'est la vie. Before lunch, we enjoyed many delicious wines from the Oxa properties with our dinner. Oh, very interesting. I'll have to look this up. Sounds fascinating. Thank you, Jörg. Barbara, where are you today? What time is it? What's in your cup, or what would you rather be drinking? Yes, actually, at the same time, um, same for Mike and Jurg, So, um
3: uh, 8.20 p.m. Uh, I live in the eastern part of Switzerland, so I have the luxury to look out the window and see the Alps. And I live uh, at the Lake Constance, so nearby the Lake Constance. And so I like the waterfront, you know. And, um, yeah, I'm enjoying right now a chai tea latte, honestly. And Mm -hmm. later on it will be uh, hopefully a Franciscan uh, white wine. I like dry wines, especially Barrick wines. And when I was living in the U.S., uh, in California, I really liked Napa and Sonoma Valley visits, you know. And, um, yeah, whenever I go there, I really take some, some, some
0: bottles with me and
3: bring them and ship them to Switzerland. Yeah.
0: Very nice. Now we know more about all, all three of you. Barbara, since you're a newcomer to the show, tell us just mm-hmm. a little bit about what you do, because we've already met Mike and, and Jörg before a couple of months ago. But what do you, what do, you do? What is your role?
3: Well, my role is um, I'm on the one hand side uh, the Smart Cities and Regions Lead for SAP. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm an ecosystem thinker, so I live and and work in ecosystems being a city, a port, a village where you have multiple different uh, industries and interests being involved, but also especially the people behind like the the truck drivers, the technicians, the personnel, right? Um, And uh, one of my key focus areas is about smart mobility, so uh, when you look into the United Nations sustainability goals, I also did a um, couple of sessions um, together with SAP Sustainability Office on that one. And how to really bring forward, let's say, that we, for example, make better use of space and infrastructure, mm-hmm. even if it's a challenge, you know. Um, and uh, see that we can really have that right to mobility delivered to everyone, regarding, regardless of the budgets, uh, regardless uh, if there's a handicap or, let's say, a non-availability of a car, for example, right? And um, besides that, I'm an author as well, so I just recently published um, a book uh, on the one hand side in German, but also in English very recently on smart mobility, uh, also, how to engage uh, in projects, um, especially for small and uh, mid-sized cities as well, because mostly people are looking into mega cities, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. and I think there are neglected areas, also like the villages and the rural uh, areas. And uh, overall, besides that, from a private perspective, I'm a painter, you know, I'm an artist,
1: oh so my. I need
3: that. I need the creativity, yes, so, um, and I'm an expressionist if you ask for the style. <laughs> I <laughs> can I really
0: understand say. that. Very, very appreciative of this opportunity to get to know you, Barbara. I think you're a renaissance woman in so many senses of the word, and I'm, I'm very glad that... Shout out, of course, to James McClellan at SAP, who is the sponsor of this series, and he invited the three of you. So, James, shout out and appreciation to you for bringing back Mike and Jörg and inviting Barbara. We're so pleased to meet Barbara. So let me go around the... The panel just for a minute before we take our break. We have a couple of minutes here. I want to find out in my opening this time, and it's similar to how we opened the part one of this topic a couple of weeks ago, Mike and Jurg, and new to Barbara, I mentioned there are five pillars that a smart city must embrace. I'm going to read off the five, and if while I'm reading them, you could each think of the one that's most important that you think is most important for a smart city to realize the potential we're talking about of the utilities-based municipal environmental services. So let me just read the five pillars and just pick one and then just give me one sentence on why you think it's the most important. It's not a pop quiz, but I'm interested in getting into your heads and seeing what you think. So number one I said was omni-channel citizen, citizen experience because we know, like in retail, citizens have many ways of connecting to and with and around a city. So omni-channel citizen experience. Is is one. Number two is to harness assets and the Internet of Things, so that's sensors. Number three is engaging with workforces and smarter workforces, so I interpret that as a workforce that is eager to learn new technologies and maybe repurpose their education to keep up with where jobs are going. Number four is accelerating growth innovation. And number five is to replatform your core business processes, assuming that you have a platform that may or may not be working, but to Move ahead to smart city. You have to do something different. So let me start with Mike Eberhardt. Mike, any thoughts on what your what your number one would be of these five pillars?
2: Um, <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Um, um, I will pick the, the workforce um, based on uh, my experience. Uh, the most important element in in a city is actually to have uh, a smart uh, population, uh, well educated. Um, with the necessary skills actually to to help to create new business, new opportunities, new tax income for the city. And uh, when we look today on the, the market, um, if someone is losing a job, he is actually creating his CV based on his own knowledge. Uh, he is uh, checking out uh, job uh, centers. He is checking out uh, online portals. And actually, it is a shame because... We cannot today. We are, have not the possibility to bring everything together, and this is a handicap for the city because they don't know what kind of workforce they have in the city. They pay um, um, an unemployment rate, and as as, as more and as faster that people get engaged again with uh, with a company to get a new job, as more tax income they have and as less. Payment they have to do for the um, jobless person. Thank so you. Very interesting. That, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Based on that, based on that, is a city has to, um, yeah, has to get developed. They have to mm-hmm. create new opportunity for the future, and and uh, based on that, they can actually combine all the, the stakeholders to one element and also increase the knowledge based on. E-learning based on blended learning of the workforce to create new trends in the city, in the market for future, um, for future uh, new technology trends. In, uh, Thank you,
0: Mike. Very, very in interesting. I want to move. I want to move on to Jürg and see what he thinks. Jürg of those five pillars, what's the most important to you? You agree with Mike, or do you have Ooh. a different favorite?
4: I see all the pillars important, and therefore, because they have, they depend on each other, and you need to, or you should make use of all the pillars to, uh, to, 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 let's say, um, to, to con or to get to a smarter city. But uh, therefore, I would choose re-platform uh, the business process because the platform mm-hmm. holds everything together. And uh, this is the basis uh, for all the use cases you could think about uh, when mm, thinking about new, uh, new mobility concepts, for example, or citizen participation, which would then uh, need um, the citizen experience or, um, yeah, to be able to, to harness the asset and Internet of Things, you need a platform that holds everything together, also the citizens, the administrations, and all the workforces, as we, as we named it here, um, to be able to collaborate yeah, on city issues.
0: Thank you. That word collaboration keeps popping up. I think Barbara was the one who introduced it first up. Thank you very much, Jörg. Barbara, what do you think about those five pillars? Do you, we've, we've had Mike pick one and you pick another. What's your thought?
3: Well, I would um, firstly also confirm, I mean, what Mike and Jörg just shared um, on the workforce engagement. I mean, it's, it's the fundamental basis, right? Um, um, the ones that are out there that are dealing with the burden um, from the governmental but also from the business side are really crucial to make a city livable and sustainable um, and also contributes to the identity of a city, what I call like a, to the city profile. The platform, of course, brings it together. On the other hand, I think it's also about um, harnessing the assets. And that's not only related to technology, it's really about to know um, what is my identity as a city, Uh, what is our heritage, Uh, what made us, um, let's say, grow in the past. And once uh, you know about uh, what your key assets are not only the streets, the bridges, the facilities, but also the talents and uh, and the creativity behind. Then it's about to identify who is out there from a business network perspective, and um, mm-hmm. and uh, you need the business, uh, not only the business networks but also the influencers, um, the ones uh, that do voluntarily work, for example, and drive initiatives throughout the city. Um, and those uh, bringing those together, it's like um, you know closing the loop and creating a circle, a movement of uh, innovation, but also deployment. And deployment is a key thing, because otherwise you fantasize about what could it be and what innovation is about, but you don't bring it up down to the street, right? And um, that's why it's, for me, one thing is about uh, innovation and and, and knowing about it, but the other one is really about um, how to deploy it and make it sustainable, so that the city survives also the competition amongst the others.
0: Yeah thank you all three of you. I didn't mean to do this pop quiz on you but I thought it'd be interesting to get your point of view and we certainly Mm -hmm. learned a lot. Now you deserve a break but do me a favor, don't drink too much wine while we're on break. I want want you still very clear (laughs) and lose it when we come back and uh, Jurg and Mike may remember but Barbara doesn't know me at all. Barbara, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days and this is (laughs) my second show today, Thursday, so it's just water, 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 cool, clear water. I use a Brita filter and I I have a cool, clear mug, and I have a green straw because although the sun was shining this morning here on Long Island, New York, the sun has gone behind the clouds again, and I don't know if we're getting more rain. We're running about 20 degrees below the norm for this year, so it's actually very cool at night, and some days don't even get above 65 or 70. I know. I just came back from a trip to North Carolina. It was almost 90 degrees there last week, and it's only an hour and a half plane ride away, so big, big different weather system, but I have a green straw because I am a pre- appreciative. Of. Even though I live in, uh, it's, it's an incorporated village, Barbara, but it, it's like a small mm-hmm. city. We have everything here, and it's rather congested, and there is real traffic 24 hours a day on the small main street in front of me. But I'm very grateful for the greenery, the beautiful trees that nobody has been able to take down to put up all these buildings. And so I'm looking out on beautiful, mature trees that are hundreds of feet in the air. At least they look like that to me. I'm only five feet tall. All right, maybe 100 feet, but they're gorgeous. Gorgeous, and they're huge, and they they are above buildings that are six stories high. So you can figure out, yeah, a lot more than 100 feet, Bonnie. Anyway, I'm grateful for the greenery. I'm grateful to be speaking to Mike Eberhart, Jürg Furchow, and Barbara Fluga, and they are joining me today to talk about. Energy utilities, smart cities, digital engagement of citizens, and everything. Our topic officially is exactly what I said, smart cities and municipal utilities, digital engagements of citizens, part two. We have a lot more to talk about, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know we're coming back. 90 seconds. You can count them. We'll be right back. Kevin out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network the digital world is moving faster than ever and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and extensive business networks and complex supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Game Changing Utilities of the Future is presented by SAP. Visit sap.com. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag s a p r a d i o now let's get back to game changing utilities of the future
0: Let's do. And by the way, I just had a note here from Jurg, a chat on my one of my other three screens, and he says that the name of the grape he was mentioning is A U X E R R O I S, Auxerrois, I think it is, in France. So there we go. Thank you very much, Jurg. Appreciate it. And now it's time for our roundtable. We always love these sidebars here. Roundtable, and Mike Eberhardt's going to start us off. Mike is first, we're talking, referencing back to the five pillars that were into consideration for any city to become smart in terms of digital transformation. Mike is going to start talking about the citizen experience omni-channel. Let me just read a little bit from his notes, and then Mike will run with it. We will invite Jurg and Barbara to chime in. So he says, the government executive view that aims to leverage technology to reduce total expenditure through self-service, but sometimes fails to take into account the impact on total costs because it neglects the end-to-end service life cycle and interdependencies. I'm just going to stop right there and let you take us into the rest of this on personalization of Omnichannel. Go ahead, Mike.
2: Thank you very much. Um, um, based on the based on the history, based on the, the technology what we had in the last uh, um 20, 30 years, um, we always started from inside out. We use the technology actually to to create services. Uh, Based on the the technology, mobile technology, based on the industry, uh, we have now the experience that we can actually choose what kind of service, when and what kind of device, anytime, 24 hours a day. The point is that um, based on the historical uh, movement, um, the services are not great. The services mm-hmm. are in silos. The services are fragmented. Sometimes we have to, we can, we can download something. We can fill out a form. We have to print out. We have to sign, scan it, and send it back. What um, the trend today is the same as uh, in, the, in the private industry. The few from a citizen, the few from a customer. What kind of service does it need? What kind of um, um, uh, what kind of um, service does it need to to make and an, an, uh, to use a service as fast as possible and as easy as possible? This means um, um, it's a completely different kind of way how to engage the customer and mm-hmm. uh, to serve him with a new service. For example. If I have to have, everybody has to pay tax. Nobody likes to pay tax. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we have to fill out the form to, to send it to the department. But why do we have to fill out the form? The government has already all the information. He knows where I live. He knows mm-hmm. where I work. He knows that I'm married. He knows that I have two children. So why do I have to fill out all this again and again? So in other words, I like to tell my government one time all the information, and he has actually to bring everything together. And this is what everybody likes, and this makes the, the whole process more efficient.
0: Very interesting. You, you know, uh, you're I'm sorry, Mike, I'm thinking of so many experiences Here where I live, where or any service you use, even when you call up uh, sometimes customer service, they have you type in maybe the last four digits of your U.S. Social Security number or your phone number, your email address before an agent comes on the line. Then they come on the line and say, please give me your phone number. And I want to say, excuse me, you have it in front of you. You pulled up my records. I waited five minutes for a real person. Why are you asking me again? So, very good point. Uh, the duplication of effort, very, very important. And Smart City should certainly be able to figure that out. Jurg, let's get your thoughts on this, Jurg, on Mike's topic, and then we'll invite Barbara in as well. Jurg?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering a little bit, Mike. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, um, yeah, so, so The example you, you've given. Is may, might be true. I, I don't know if you experience in your country, maybe. But I just made my uh, my tax uh, just last week, yeah. And I'm using software here as well. And uh, let see, in Germany, you can uh, you enroll with the admin. can enroll at the administration, and then uh, everything is transferred back to your software. Yeah, that helps you doing your tax. Yeah, and and this. Uh, I must admit, it, it, it improved since last year dramatically and because now all the information that you mentioned before is automatically uh, transferred back um, to my software. So I only need to enter the change. So when I started mm-hmm. using the software, I had to enter everything myself. But um, after this year, I can um, make use of the information coming from the administration. So this is an improvement. And the second thing, um, at least here in Germany, the second thing, you're absolutely right. The technology is there, uh, but there's a lack of uh, services now. The so services that, that uh, are really end-to-end services or taking the example of a utility uh, we are discussing things like demand response yeah, to optimize, uh, save energy and optimize the the portfolio to keep the the grid stable for the uh, for the grid companies, for example. But at least here in Europe, there's only little companies that really start offering these tariffs, yeah, where I can make use of these technologies and. I'm wondering why this doesn't happen, yeah? Because uh, many utilities are looking for new, um, new models on how to get more money. Uh, but they are there. The ideas are there. The technology is there. But, um, yeah, the really implementing it. This is uh, somehow not the case, uh, as we would like it to be.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Jörg. Barbara, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, please. Yes.
3: Uh, well, I think about it. It's, it's um, when we look into the the beauty of digitization. It's all about uh, looking into the convergence of physical and digital um, representations of services, right? So the omni-channel part is on from the point of view of a citizen, it's like what what Mike, for example, described. Um, I also look into that um, there are multiple providers of services. So it's not only the governmental authorities, it's like the utilities companies, um, the construction operators. And uh, the question is, um, how are we being served along our life, right? Uh, and we call it the life staging model. So, And to actually predict uh, what kind of services we would need, let's say, in the next uh, three to five to ten years or when the kids are grown up and the school services called in and to make life easier also than for the workforce there. And uh, so this convergence is about uh, multiple service providers on the one hand side, but also to bring together the physical and the digital um, um, service provisioning. Um, I don't know if you have more time, but on the utility side, for example, yeah, look into construction sites. Um, mm-hmm. Construction sites produce so much energy aside. So why not make use of technology to actually turn a construction site into an energy hotspot, um, like when I go to the fitness center, go onto the bike, and then it recharges the battery, right, for the mobile phone. And uh, I think this multipurpose viewpoint on what a service could be, what it could look like, that's really about asking, you know, this, this innovation mindset, um, and this is, I think, it's on the one hand side, it's a challenge, but uh, I think it's always good to turn a challenge into an opportunity. Yeah,
0: very interesting. So you're saying your exercise bike charges your phone while you're using it? Yes. Yes. Is this a, a exactly. special kind of an exercise bike, or are they all doing that now? You can tell I haven't no. been to the gym in a long Ex- time. No no,
3: actually I saw it first a couple of years ago when I was invited um for a design project um uh, from from Daimler and uh, we went to Budapest because there's a there's a great university about design and uh, there's a a startup called Kitchen Budapest and kitchen because of you have multiple tools you can select from um and but the point is um how to bring all these tools together like in a in a real kitchen to re- really prepare, let's say, a great meal, right? A five-course meal or a great dessert. And uh, they started um, to work on that, and they use it for their own uh, employees, yeah? So, um, and they have regular bikes, so, but they have a, um, a connectivity part. I mean, I'm not a technical person. And uh, they tested it, um, and um, and now it's going... Uh, you see it also in some of the airports, you know? Um I think I've seen it in, in Barcelona even, uh, where you see suddenly people on the bike and by the exercise, they,
0: they, they charge the phone. I, I think love that's it. Great, well, you know. That's yes. motivation enough. I, I yes. Instead of plugging it in and sitting here and watching it like grass grow waiting for the phone exactly. to charge. I could. Ju- yes. Barbara, you have just changed my life, at least my motivation. Thank you very much. Uh, Mike, thanks for a very provocative first topic. I want to move on because we are moving on with time here. Jurg, I'm looking at your notes here. Let's talk about the decentralization of inhabited areas. You say you can often see slides or hear that's Sixty percent of the world's population is expected to live in urban areas by 2030, and that's really not that far away. This assumption mm-hmm. might be wrong when digital transformation causes a decentralization of inhabited areas. Talk to me, Jörg. Tell us a little bit, please.
4: Yeah, I can see that very often on slides or when, on, on events, but I, I only partially agree. I, I have, uh, I, I guess, when this is certainly true for. Some areas in the world, yeah Asia may, might be, but looking at Europe, for example, it might even be wrong because uh, digitization um if it's then adopted really, and if it's implemented fast um will have a will have a, another effect that people stay in not in cities, but on the countryside. It's lovely, it's nice, and if you have uh, uh, the possibility to reach the city because they're offering, I don't know, music events or sports events uh, which you want to see, then and you are able to travel there without um, driving yourself maybe. You can have the wine, uh, <laughs> drink the wine without not being uh, afraid of being caught by the police later on, um, yeah, and and you see it here already in some areas of Germany or Italy, and um, and we call these metropolitan areas. And actually, I'm living on a village, but it's um, it's part of a metropolitan area. It's called uh Rhine Neckar metropolitan area. So it's mm-hmm. two rivers called the Rhine River and the Neckar River, and uh, in there um, live um, over two or almost two million people. Yeah and um but um it's it's like a huge city with uh a lot of space in between yeah and um, you have all the possibilities already now to to reach the the smaller cities. It's not a single big city but it's uh a lot of smaller cities yeah and uh if the, if those then would be connected with a fast internet with uh uh, uh, smart mobility concepts uh, uh, smart health is something. thing um, then you don 't need to to always travel to the city because uh, talking about medicine, we are talking about personalized medicine using video conferencing and so on, and also the I talked to people in my neighborhood uh, departments, uh, which was actually healthcare and um they are working a lot in this area, and so you can in future use. Uh, you have a lot of gadgets at home w- which you can apply to get healthy again, and then you have the the remote connection to a to a doctor, for example. So there's not really the need to move into the city because the yeah. um, the services come to you, <laughs> yeah. Or even the the food delivery services, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just today, I I got. Uh, uh, I have a company car and then the the uh, the the company sent me a, uh, just recently I got a new company car and then they sent me a welcome package and they talked about the new concepts they they have in mind about uh transportation they they are building a new uh transportation van that is um, not not already self-driving but it's it it has no steering wheel it has a joystick for example and uh, very lightweight, and on top, they plan to have drones that can then, uh, let's say, deliver the parcels uh, around, um, I don't know, a certain circle or radius, yeah, and a couple of kilometers or miles, um, and this is fantastic, and they even showed a prototype somewhere. There was an event in Las Vegas, a motor show, auto show, and this is the way uh, it is, and and if these uh, technologies um, are coming more and more, then you can stay where you are and the things come to you. And you know no need to move into the big cities anymore.
0: Thank you very much, Jurg. I would normally go around the table and have everybody respond, but we're running short on time. And I want to cover at least one important topic from Barbara's list. But before I move to Barbara, Jurg, I noticed that you have a note here. You say that there will be other forms and concepts of living either within or cities or on the countryside living in bridges, forests, and on or under the water. I love that. I wish we had time, but maybe we'll do a part three. Barbara, I'm going to just open it up to you. Um, The one I like particularly, Barbara, here, uh, turning lonely corners into crossroads of fun and direction. Would you be willing to tell us a little bit about that, Barbara? I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yes, yes, certainly. So
3: when I thought about... um how to make innovation also for those affordable, you know, um, that even don't dare to think about what innovation could be. If you look into 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 um, the kids, for example, I mean, yes, we know about, of course, the the digital natives, and I experience myself on, when I look into how my nephew actually is now um, twelve years old—how he's already working since he's three, four years old with all these gadgets. But there are mm-hmm. kids that are still left out of the equation, right? Um and so the question for me is um let's say when we look into a construct of a city, previously it was um when when cities arose, it was because of security, you found jobs there, there was healthcare provision but uh, cities I think also have a mandate to make devices and technologies affordable so um to learn and share the experience around it because those that cannot afford it um how will they actually um how uh, could they serve, for example? Their kids and their families later on, and and also let's say um, offer a fashionable what I call digital living, right? So mm-hmm. there are many districts uh, in cities um, that are tear down, uh, where money and budgets uh, is not are not there, uh, where the workforces let's say are not even available um, to ramp up um, these areas. I mean, not even just talking about those areas, but also city slums, for example. And uh, so my thinking is about how can we make use of outdated devices, right? How can we steer that waste uh, in the future is a benefit, an asset, um, to bring it back into a circular distribution chain? And then actually help um, um, those, for example, um, having kids' corners um, where we, let's say, have um, vacant buildings, our facilities and actually bring back the talents um, and bring them together with the kids. So let's say one of my mandates would be, why don't we have, let's say, uh, when we do innovation workshops, that we go into these areas and not invite them into our, let's say, nice and very richly um, staffed and facilitated buildings, right, Or, or workshop rooms, so let's go there. Let's say where the need is, right, and um, mm-hmm. and uh, help to identify new ways of of, um, of of harvesting innovation. Because only when we are in the situation, I think, then we understand also what is really needed. Otherwise, we come from a luxury position, right? And uh, when I was living in Berlin, it was always a question about. I mean, uh, I've seen so many kids where they're saying, "Hey, I'm lonely. Uh, my parents cannot afford this and that." And how can I then learn and not to lose track of all the others, right? And we know, I mean, when you look into, uh, scholars and students, the competition is growing. And, uh, and, uh, there's also anxiety about that they really know about, um, how to deal with all these devices, the wearables and what, what, what can I do in the future and how can I, let's say, also find, find a good job? And on the other hand, the sharing economy is scaling, right? So why not bring that uh, together and uh, remodel those areas uh, and the spaces uh, and uh, into into a fun place, you know? And and uh, that's why I said turning the lonely corners into a crossroad where the ones that need it and the ones that have it, so the brain capitals we have in cities and the talents and bring them together with the ones. That are um, that are looking for that, and that's not only the kids, but also elderly people, for example,
0: right? Absolutely. Yeah. Barbara, we're just about out of time, but I just wanted to make a note. I spent uh, the weekend in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but mm-hmm. in Durham, they took the old Liggett and Myers tobacco buildings tobacco buildings, Mm -hmm. and they've converted them into restaurants and stores and a world-class theater for Off Broadway tour, Broadway show touring companies,
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: uh, a a municipal uh, legal building, you know, a a courthouse building, and somebody joked to me that there was a bed and breakfast across the street from the courthouse, and it was a beautiful building, Mm -hmm. and I said, what do you mean bed and breakfast? He said, that's the jail, so they walked the (laughs) Walk people across the street. (laughs) That's the bed and breakfast you don't get to go home from on Monday morning. Anyway, I just want to tell you that I've seen that happen, and it's fascinating to take tobacco buildings and make them into a thriving downtown. I'm sure there are plenty of services there. So we need to quickly get to our crystal ball predictions round. I saved 60 seconds for each of you. I'm really enjoying the conversation. I wish we had more time. We'll have to talk to James about maybe a part three. Okay, Juergen, Mike, Uh, you can do that. So, Mike... My, why not, Mike Everhart? I have another idea. I'll get in touch with the Mike Everhart. Talk to me. Sixty seconds predictions. What will happen in terms of digital engagement of citizens and municipal utilities around the year two thousand and twenty, or any time of your choosing? Sixty seconds predictions, Mr. Everhart. Go.
2: <clears throat> Everything is going getting better. That's for sure. Everybody knows that uh, we have to engage with the citizens, and this is actually a chance uh, also for uh, for political for the political parties. Because um, they are actually not connected to the citizens and they actually try to do what they believe is the best for them. And I believe uh, in the future, with a citizen, an individual person has a voice, this is going to be changed.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Jörg Verchau, Talk to me. Prediction 60 seconds.
4: Prediction, so um, I, I'm, I'm just following the, how the, the car manufacturers evolve, yeah, and, and the self-driving thing is, is progressing very much, and I hope that I will still be alive when this really happens and when legislation allows us to use self-driving cars because they're actually already there, and then everything will become yeah we the car takes us somewhere we don't have to look for a parking lot um we can uh the car can be used all the time it's not a bad capital that's standing uh most of the times on uh, on a parking lot yeah, but we can uh, instead bring our children to school and then uh, pick up a parcel that we ordered somewhere at uh an online store and yeah And I believe the same like uh, Mike, Uh, it will improve. It will take some time, but there's a good chance that there will be a nice, uh, when we are getting older, so the three of us, then we will have a nice uh, uh, life in future. Oh,
0: you're all young kids. Don't give me that older, you know what. Barbara Flugger, I have 45 seconds for you. Barbara, seriously, just give me two sentences of prediction real fast, please.
3: Yes. So, I, I'd like to share two aspects, uh, two predictions. One is about um, that we will intrinsically use technology even more than we are aware of. So, through wearables, smart shirts, textile, fabrics, where uh, the shopping carts turn into the trunk and transfer into the trunk of an autonomous vehicle. The second aspect is really about so, um, making use wisely of our free time and energy. So to actually help those that really need it, so being in neglected areas, city slums, but also helping those in education and learning so that we really can get into a circular economy and circular movement of social services.
0: Thank you, Barbara. Appreciate it. Mike Eberhardt, Jörg Virchow, Barbara Fluga. Pleasure to have all three of you on. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out, find a smart city near you, get engaged as a citizen, embrace the digital transformation, be an innovator, get into that circle of innovation that Barbara mentioned, and all in all, go out and be a game changer today day. This is the end of our broadcast week. Five live shows this week and five more planned for next week. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Have a great one and thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Utilities of the Future presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.